This is a mission-focused life with Tim Olofsson, co-founder and executive director of Another Child Foundation. Up next, Tim will speak with this week's special guest, offering special insights on how you can live a mission-focused life. Welcome, everyone. This is a mission-focused life, and I am your host, Tim Olofsson. I'm so glad you all have decided to join us today, and I hope this podcast helps you along your faith journey. Today, we have a very special guest. Our guest is Pastor Steve Horn. He is the executive director of the Louisiana Baptist Convention, and he lives in Alexandria, Louisiana. So welcome, Steve. Well, thank you for having me, Tim. It's, uh, it's good to, uh, to be with you today, to see you again, and uh, to, to share uh, a few minutes here uh, on your podcast. Yes. So I'm uh, really excited about this podcast, but I'm excited about having as you as a guest, because you're going to bring a little bit different perspective to missions, more maybe in a leadership role than some of our other guests we've had. So really looking forward to the conversation I'm having with you. But I got to know you back in 2009, I think it was, when John Frank Reeve introduced us. You were the okay. uh, senior pastor at uh, First Baptist Church in, in Lafayette at the time. And uh uh, as soon as I met you, I knew that you were uh, a real man of God. I could just sense that about you. And uh, actually, if I recall correctly, I think you ended up being on our original board of directors for Another Child. Is that? Uh, that's correct. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I didn't know that it was original, maybe, but I'm, uh, uh, but but certainly a stint there uh, on the board. Yeah. Well, your input really helped us uh, get started. Um, it really helped us get going with that Another Child Foundation. Um, ministry and you know that's been going for uh, 11 years now so we're pretty excited about the progress we're making there um, but first of all let's just tell, tell us a little bit more about yourself your family um, and things like that okay uh, well uh, as you've noted I uh, am currently uh, the executive director for Louisiana Baptist Convention uh, that's a, a network of uh, churches uh, who are Southern Baptists affiliated with the Southern Baptist Convention is our national uh, network, but in Louisiana, we're about uh, 1,600 uh, churches spread across uh, the state of Louisiana, and uh, so I've been called to this role of executive director, uh, which is uh, a resource provider to those churches, and um, I guess a strategist of sorts uh, of, of those uh, combined efforts. Um, the way that we're organized, I'm not over those churches, um, but uh, assist them in doing uh, combined cooperative uh, efforts. Uh, but before this role, which started back in uh, uh, May of 2019, I, I was a pastor, as you noted, as pastor of First Baptist Church at Lafayette, was a pastor of that church for 14 years. But in all total, I've been a pastor uh, before this role uh, for uh, 27 uh, years. So uh, that uh, marks a lot of things in, in, in my life. I, I, uh, I, I'm married to Lynette. We've been married uh, uh, for that same number of years. Uh, in fact, we, I started, a, uh, I was married the, uh, the week before uh, I started as pastor. It kind of all happened simultaneously wow. and missed my first Sunday actually to, to get married and, and go on honeymoon. Uh, so we've been married uh, uh, this summer will be 29 years. Uh, and we have two children. Uh, we spread them out. Uh, we have a 23 year old uh, son uh, who is uh, in, in the midst of uh, 
COVID-19, has graduated college virtually and uh, now virtually working on an MBA uh, <laughs> while he uh, teaches and coaches um, in, a, in a small high school uh, there in, in back in Lafayette. And then we have a 10-year-old, uh, so 23 years old and 10 years old, uh, another boy, another son. And, um, you know, so we're getting to, we're getting to, uh, as I told a group the other night that I was speaking to, uh, getting to make all the same mistakes all over again, right? You know, you're supposed to get better at this, but uh, maybe making those same mistakes all, all over again. But uh, honestly, life is good. Uh we're we're actually enjoying this this uh, this season of life having a having a a 23 year old you know watching him kind of grow into adulthood yeah. trying to figure out you know what's next for his life what's he going to do but also enjoying the you know the uh, the 10 year old stuff and all that comes along with 10, 10 years old uh, you know the the whole uh, youth league sports program again and you know just kind of see him um, uh, grow and, and grow up. And, and so that's, that, that part is good. That part is good. Yeah. Very good. Apologize for introducing you as, as pastor Steve. I uh, just kind of get in that habit of once I know. Oh, that's good. I, I'm more suited to being a pastor than anything else, I think. So that's, 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 that's great with me. Yeah. And the title executive director, it doesn't roll off the tongue. <laughs> that's, that's exactly right. It doesn't ex- roll off the tongue. <laughs> Yeah. Hey, so I'm excited to hear your perspective on, on, on missions and, and how people can live really a, a more mission-focused uh, life, individuals as well as well as churches, too, uh, because there's churches that I visit. Some aren't quite as mission-focused. Um, they're more internally focused, maybe, than what I consider mission-focused. And then as far as individuals, uh, too. So let, let's start with this. What, what excites you about helping people, individuals, live uh, a more mission-focused life? Well, that's a great question uh, because, you know, you, you find uh, because at the heart of your question is finding excitement and joy and purpose and meaning in not only your life, but in other people's lives. Um, and that's uh, the model of Jesus. Right. Uh, and so, you know, part of part of the, what is at the heart of your question is identifying what is uh, discipleship, what is being a disciple of, of, of Jesus and when we think about, you know, first of all, what is who is Jesus? Uh, certainly, first and foremost, he is our Savior. Uh, and without him, there is no uh, salvation. There is no prospect of eternal life. There is no prospect of, of, of uh, forgiveness of, of sin. Um, but in addition to uh, that being primary and first and foremost, then, uh, discipleship is following after him, and, 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 and the gospels tell us that Jesus came uh, to seek and to save that which was lost. Uh, the gospels tell us that Jesus came to give himself away, his life, a ransom uh, for, for many. And so to follow him, discipleship is to follow him into seeking and going after the lost. Uh, to follow him in discipleship is indeed to offer up ourselves. And so what, what excites me um, about leading people to a mission-focused life, probably the heart of that is excitement in leading people to be a disciple of Jesus. Um, 
you know, and you brought up the aspect of, you think of that about this individually, you think about this as a, as a church. Uh, I had a friend of mine who is now deceased with the Lord, um, but he used to say very routinely uh, that if we're not careful, and he would say it from the prospect or from the perspective of a church, he would say something along the lines of, if we're not careful as a church, we will live 52 disconnected Sundays. And that's true. You know, as a pastor, you don't want to live 52 disconnected Sundays. I mean, can something good come of that? Sure. You know, you, you gather as the people of God, but you want those 52 Sundays that you have uh, to be connected in some way, to build upon each other, to have strategy and purpose and intentionality to it. Now, if you break that down to the individual's life, you don't, you know, you don't want to have 365 disconnected days. You don't want to have disconnected years. You, you want your life to be going somewhere. You want your life to be connected. Um, and I think God gives us um, that, that purpose and that particular specific mission for life. We all have a global mission. And that is to, again, back to those items of discipleship, to seek and to save the lost, to be on, uh, to be on uh, a mission of, of, of seeing other people come to know Jesus Christ. But then we have a specific um, purpose in, in life. And so, yeah, there is excitement in, uh, in helping people to identify that because at the heart of it, you're helping them to be a disciple of Jesus. Yeah. I think one of the key things in leadership is really helping people identify what their passions are. Cause I know there's a lot of people out there who are, who are searching for something. That was my story for, for a few years. I was sitting in the church wondering, what is this Christian life about? I was living a disconnected life, like you said. And, but I was looking for, for something. And it finally took a pastor, uh, my pastor, who kind of said, Tim, I think you need to get involved in mission. So he strongly recommended I go on a mission trip. And, and that trip really helped me focus and really, identified some of the passions that God had put into me to to implement implement into to my life and so as leaders I think that's one of the things we got to do is help people identify uh, some of their skills and passions that God has placed in them because he's done that intentionally uh, to use those skills and passions yeah so I think one of the things that, that's happened to me uh, in that regard is to see and it's you know back to the idea of excitement it's been exciting to me to see people at different phases of their life you know like I, I pointed to my son you know finding helping him try to discover and you know sometimes as a parent the best thing to do is kind of <laughs> hands off on that you know because if it's your idea it may not be there you know they <laughs> may see it it's your idea and it, uh, but but still helping him find that to the degree that I can but, you know, just thinking about his age, you know, helping people at that, that um, you know, very pivotal point of life, but also helping people, you know, business people that are maybe at the beginning of their career, maybe um, right in the middle of it, discovery, you know what, there's got to be something more than going to the office every day. There's got to be something more than building a business. Yeah. Then I, I've been a part of, a, of a several significant things um, of people finding that purpose at a at a point where they thought their purpose was good to go to the beach, you know, to, to, to spend their years in retirement. You know, yeah. one of the stories that is fundamental uh, in my memory, um, when I became the pastor of First Baptist Lafayette, uh, sometimes I say that I got there just in time for Hurricane Katrina. It was 2005, <laughs> as you know, as many of the listeners will, will recall, 2005. I, as, of course, yeah. that was a, a moment for Louisiana. 
uh, for Katrina to hit New Orleans and uh, and Lafayette. I mean, we we were the place. We were not heavily impacted by uh, Katrina, the storm, but we were heavily impacted by uh, the evacuees from uh, New Orleans. And uh, there's uh, the, the college, the university um, basketball arena, you know, sort of arena that seats probably about 12,000 people um, in, the, in, the, in the stadium part of it. Uh, at one point, I believe I remember that there were 10,000 evacuees in that as a, as a kind of a mega shelter. And we had a lady in our church who was uh, 70, uh, uh, teaching nearing retirement uh, in the nursing program at the university. And she, she was there volunteering and she called me um, and she said, we, we got to do something, you know, we, we got to do something. And she identified for me that there were um, a couple of dozen newborn babies in that mega shelter. I mean, literally that had uh, been born when the hurricane hit and they were brought to Lafayette and they were, they were two days, two days old to, a, to, to, you know, a week old. And she said, you know, my idea is for us as a church to volunteer, to get those babies and their extent, you know, families out. And, uh, and that's what we did. Um, and that totaled to about 120 people, uh, as I recall, uh, all total when you brought, you know, their uh, siblings and parents with, with them. And um, so we did all that, you know, we did all that for, for you know, a couple of months. And um, after that, uh, this, this same lady who made that initial phone call, uh, she, she called me um, back up, wanted to meet with me. And um, in, in that experience, um, the Lord was using that experience to call her instead of to retire. Um, she uh, spent about 10 years after that, in uh, a middle a Middle East country, which I won't name, a Middle East country, so you know your mind can go there, uh, in a in a village, uh, teaching uh, and evangelizing, but using teaching you know basic hygiene, nursing type skills, um, and she spent a decade of her life from seventy, I'd say by that time she went seventy one to eighty one. Um, and I, I just, you know, my mind just blown away that I could be just a small part of helping her to connect some of those, uh, some of those dots. My point about all that is at every phase of life, God can still use a person if, if we'll just put our yes on the table, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. And, and that's one of the things I, I talk about is to be able to identify that you, you need to be plugged in. You need to be plugged into the source of power that can reveal those um, opportunities to you. And, uh, you know, your church obviously um, was there and God used you guys to, to bring in those, uh, those families and those young ones, those newborns and awesome. But yet he used that experience again uh, to help this lady and, and just think of the... I mean, what we thought was bad with Katrina, and it was bad. There was a lot of devastation, right. but he always brings some good out of that. And who right. knows what uh, kids in the Middle East uh, country were saved or, you know, done, you know, whatever. Uh, right. Because of right. just being open to what the Spirit wants you to do. So That's right. Yeah. That's right. 
Um, one of the questions I'd like to ask all the guests is, how do you define missions? And, and not so much as a, mm. as a mission mm. statement, you know, that right. you know, we proclaim the gospel and things like that, but how do you define the word, the action mission? Yeah, it's a great question, uh, because I think automatically when someone hears missions, they're hearing something other than evangelism, and they're hearing missions as uh, something beyond their, their usual sphere of life. And so when we think of missions, we almost always think of, of, of international missions. I don't think it has to be that way um, at all. Uh, and so missions for me would be simply synonymous with um, purpose uh, and, and for the Christian uh, would be synonymous with uh, evangelism and discipleship. Um, so, you know, Matthew 28, 18, 19, and 20, uh, Jesus's last words recorded um, by Matthew and what the church has traditionally identified as the great commission um, to go. Um, to, so you get that idea. That's the active part, you know, the go, the go. And so, yeah, we are going, but, you know, we could go uh, across the street. We could go to our um, neighbor's house. Um, kind of a humorous story that God used to, uh, to poke a hole in my heart. Um, so my oldest, who's now 23, uh, was probably about seven because um, I'm identifying it as a, my pre-Lafayette days. And, and he, he, he was about seven when we moved to Lafayette. So we're headed home from church on one day. I'm pastor, right? And uh, we're headed home from church. And so I did, you know, didn't always do this, but, you know, kind of feeling, you know, extra spiritual on this day, I guess. So I turned to him in the back seat saying, you know, what did y'all talk about in, in uh, Sunday school today? And, uh, you know, he identified the story of the, of the Good Samaritan and, and to, to, you know, to love our neighbor. And so I said, that's great. You know, great, great story. Great, great teaching. We, we need to love our, we need to love everybody, you know? So we go another little bit and uh, he says, you know, in the way that only a seven-year-old could say, dad, why don't we love our neighbors? And I said, what? Well, of course we love our neighbor. Well, why would you even ask a question like that? And he says, well, doesn't seem like it. And I said, why would you say something like that? Of course, we love our neighbors. And he said, again, as only a seven-year-old could say, well, it doesn't seem like it. We never go see them. Wow. And you think wow. about life as a typical American family, um, pull in, you know, garage door comes up, garage door goes down. Yeah, you, you wave to the neighbors when you see them out in the yard. Um, knew, knew them, knew their names, but, you know, didn't go see them, I guess, in, in, in his seven-year-old language. And, uh, and, 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 you know, again, God used that story to kind of sort of poke me to say, all right, you know, uh, action, action, action. You're leading people and you are giving and praying and going at times to uh, places of the world. Go, go across the street, go across the street, go next door. Um, and so, it, you know, when I hear the word go, um, let's go. It doesn't have to be uh, overseas. And it, obviously our world is increasingly multicultural. I mean, right here in a, you know, a Southern 
city of Alexandria, Louisiana. Uh, my backdoor neighbors are Muslim. Um, one street over, there's um, uh, several uh, Buddhist families. Um, uh, so the world has, no matter where, almost regardless of where one lives in America, the world has come, uh, has come to us. Um, so I said a lot to say, you know, just to put it simply, missions is going on purpose, though, going on purpose. Like that. Um, I think we all can be guilty because sometimes the honesty of a seven-year-old is what exactly what we need because yep. um, we, we decipher different things and we kind of put some of those things out of our mind. And sometimes that honesty of, of dad, are we loving our neighbors? Um, right. Really can, can wake us up. Cause I think we're all guilty to some extreme uh, of not doing that. We live in a culture now, like you said, we're driving into our home. We might wave to them continuously and say hi and maybe stop and have a short conversation. But are we in relationship with our, with our neighbors? And um, I think we all need to be better neighbors uh, in today's time. Um, so, so defining moment for yourself. Um, you kind of told us your history a little bit. I know you went to um, seminary, of course. Was there a defining moment in your early life that kind of helped you realize that this is what God wants you to do? Yeah, well, um, absolutely. Um, um, I, I, I'm one of those folks uh, blessed, and I, and I know it. I mean, I know it, um, that grow up in a Christian home. Um, so, uh, I don't remember a time that my family was not engaged in the life of the church. Um, when I was, my, my earliest memories are my, my father worked, um, uh, as many people did in, in Louisiana, it seemed in those days, uh, in, a, in a seven, seven days home and seven days, uh, offshore, um, uh, Bill. And so, uh, so my, my earliest childhood memories are, are more along the lines with, uh, with my mother, not, not because my dad was absent, but because that, that was his work schedule yeah. seven and seven. And, um, and so I, you know, I, I have these very early memories of, uh, uh, of, uh, doing, uh, going with my mom to like with a ladies group at church to the nursing home and, and just visiting people in the nursing home and, um, and some things and some things like that. And, and, and so again, you know, I just don't have a moment where we were not engaged in life of the church. Um, you, you know, and yet some of that actually was probably going through the motions, um, to be quite honest about it. It was not intentional on my part, wasn't certainly not intentional on my parents part. It, it wasn't something that was fake. But it was just something that was very much routine for us. Yes, routine um, is the word. Yeah, that routine, yeah. routine. Um, but uh, things, uh, when I was a, a sophomore in high school, would be, begin to be kind of defining moment for me because uh, we, we were part, all of my childhood, a part of a, a very small church. Um, but we, we, we got a new pastor when I was a freshman, and he was younger, and he was aggressive. And he led our church for the first time in the history of the church to call uh, an associate pastor dedicated, you know, to, to youth. And um, uh, that person was even younger than the pastor and uh, very aggressive towards um, 
you know, youth. That was his calling. That was his job. And um, I was certainly one of the more faithful attendees um, because of, again, my family's background. And, and Jeff, that was his name. I mean, he just, you know, it just, I was low hanging fruit uh, to him. Uh, and so he invested in me quite a deal, uh, quite a bit. And, um, and I, I like that. I, I begin to see, Hey, uh, I, I like, I like this. I like, um, I could see myself doing this. Um, but you know, I saw more in high school. I mean, I was like, you know, I, that's a decision for a different day. Well, the defining moment, the defining moment, though, was on this one particular Sunday, uh, the pastor was out. And so uh, the youth pastor, Jeff, gave the, uh, the sermon uh, in, in not, not the youth service, but the main service. And it was a very evangelistic sermon um, with, a, with a, a, a call at the end, uh, very basic um, uh, evangelistically. Uh, to, um, y- you know, to, to, to respond today that if God is calling you, if you feel that knock on the door of your heart uh, and the way that he explained it was, you know, you, you, you're, there's no guarantee that you're ever going to sense that, that again. And, you know, the scriptural theological aspect of today is the day of salvation. And as clear as anything that's ever happened in my life, uh, when he said those words, I thought the same thing about my what I began to to assess as, as God's call on my life, and and I begin to think in terms that if that is true for salvation, that, that likely is true for other aspects of of discipleship, and so without any warning, without any really. Um, uh, weeks long or months long, um, I immediately, I immediately that day said, I think that, I think that's true for my life and that, that, that I, that I'm committing myself and my future education to being, I don't know what it looked like, but to be in vocational ministry. Um, and so that's the defining moment. That's the defining moment. And because I had this aggressive pastor, an aggressive youth pastor, they begin to immediately upon me giving them that decision. They, uh, it wasn't uh, probably, uh, I bet probably not six months later that, um, uh, that I gave my first, uh, at 16 years old, gave my first sermon uh, on, a, on a Wednesday evening, you know, small, small group kind of deal. Uh, but that, um, uh, they helped me, they worked with me. I'm so thankful for that today. Uh, their investment in, in helping me to, uh, to craft, a, a, you know, with no training, with no education, but helping me one-on-one craft that message and deliver it, give me feedback. Uh, and then that, that just led into uh, opportunities to do that all throughout my college years. But it all goes back to that defining moment with a sermon, not particularly rooted in that, but I, but that's the way the spirit meant for me to hear it on that, on that day. And, and really there was maybe a brief interlude and maybe college years where I, you know, just for a brief, brief period saying, you know, I wonder, 
but but really without interruption, I could say, you know, with the exception of maybe a brief interlude, without interruption, the purpose of my life since that that moment on a Sunday morning when I was uh, 16 years old. Yeah. There's two things I take from what you just said, and, and one is clarity. Sometimes for me, that was a word I've been looking for. Is it's like I heard it, you know, I didn't actually hear his voice, but I knew that. But it was such a clear message when he spoke to me about um, being the voice of voiceless children. There was a clarity in that message that was just beyond. It was just so right. It was just, and I knew it right from the time I heard it. It was, it was perfect. It was a perfectly clear message that I had to follow. And the second thing that um, I want you to kind of expand on maybe just a little bit is uh, the investing of time. Almost all of my guests I've had on this show so have had a recurring theme of they had someone who invested time into them. Can you kind of share a little bit more about why it would be important for our listeners to invest time into maybe not maybe a youth, but maybe just other people invest time into helping them. Can you expand on that a little bit? Well, so, you know, you know, again, uh, let's, let's think of the model of Jesus. Let's think about uh, the nature of discipleship. Um, certainly uh, Jesus uh, had, um, the masses at heart, you know, looking upon a whole city and, and, and with compassion, um, preaching to the multitudes, having compassion on those multitudes. And so certainly that's part of it. But what was at the heart of Jesus's ministry? The heart of Jesus's ministry was bringing 12 people around him. And even if you focus it even further from the 12, uh, we, we see these glimpses in the gospels that there were, uh, that there were even a closer uh, uh, core within those 12 of you know, Peter, uh, James, and John, three even, even more closely related um, to Jesus. And so I just think there's a pattern there of scripture further in the New Testament. Um, you know, uh, there's the relation, the unmistakable relationship that, um, that Paul uh, had with, uh, with Timothy. Um, and, and so um, I've often thought of it, and this is not unique to me. I've heard other people talk about this, but you know, I've tried to, I've tried to engage in this kind of thing for myself. Um, is that there always ought to be, no matter who you are, there always ought to be a Paul in your life, someone that's still speaking into your life. You know, because back to the idea of clarity that you raised. I mean, there's so many voices all the time. You know, it's good to have somebody to bounce something off of. To make sure, so to always have a Paul in your life, and to always have a Timothy in, in, yeah. in your life, um, that you, so you're getting invested in, but you're also investing in some in, in someone else. And so, yeah. I just think it's a biblical model yeah. um, uh, from Jesus, uh, Paul. Uh, I can't think of the exact verse right now, but but in one of Paul's letters, he he says, uh, "Take this and teach to faithful men." Uh, right. So, you know, I think it's a, a, always a model that the Apostle Paul used um, repeatedly uh, in, in his ministry. And uh, I'm thankful, man, I could just rattle. I mean, I've already mentioned uh, Jeff um, at that point in high school. Um, I think about a, a man uh, in my first pastorate who I mean, there's just there was there's just no reason that he took an interest in my life other than he was retired living in an area that he had not pastored in. And so he didn't know a lot of people uh, and, and he had moved there to be near children and he just invested in my life. And, 
I mean, at every place, at every place along life's road, I can think about people that, you know, God put them in my life for that. And, and I want to do the same. I want to do the same uh, for others because I know how important it's been um, for, for me. Yeah. So I think the, the key takeaway there is to, to be a mentor for someone and to be mentored by someone, have someone that you can grow with both ways, you know, help yep. them grow and then have someone out there that can help you grow. Uh, that's that's pretty good insight. Um, real quickly, uh, we're starting to to come to the end of our time. Um, but the Louisiana Baptist Convention, um, a lot in the other Louisiana Baptist Convention, um, the work you do there. How, how are you helping? Um, I know you work with with churches and that. How, how do you help them? What what exactly are is the goal of what you're trying to do? Is your job? Well, I think to give a summary statement to, to our role is that we want other we want churches um, to know that it's a conviction um, that we have, uh, but also practical solution for them that we really can do more together than we can by ourselves. Um, we we think that there's a there is a strength in combined uh, influence. Uh, we think that there's a, there's a strength and combined strategy. Um, and, you know, let's face it, there's a strength and combined uh, resources. Yeah. Um, and, and so we, we try to engage our churches, um, some of them which are very loosely affiliated with us, and they just kind of want the brand, to be quite honest. Um, but then there are other churches, and we're thankful for these, that, that get it. And they, and, and they, uh, they believe the things that I just shared. They, they, uh, they can um, rely on uh, the strength that we have in strategy and uh, intentionality. And so, you know, it's an ongoing effort to, um, uh, to help people uh, be good thinkers, to be good strategists. So I hope that they have found that helpful as we have weathered, um, you know, uh, this COVID-19 situation. A lot of people have called on us, you know, what are other churches doing? What are other churches doing? Again, it is not our role to tell them what to do. It is not our role to be in our, in our particular kind of network. It is not our role to uh, make them do something, but, but just be available to them. And I think we've been successful in, in helping them navigate, you know, understand best practices, and also kind of understand practically and theologically uh, some of the mandates that have come down from the, that have come down from the government and to work through those um, together. And of course, uh, for Louisiana, as I'm sure many of your listeners will know, um, I think in 2020, it was a total of eight times that we were in the so-called cone of uncertainty for a hurricane with about five of those uh, hitting us, um, a couple of them in a very devastating way um, to where uh, with Hurricane Laura, we had hurricane force winds uh, three hours uh, north of the of the coast, which is unheard, unheard of. I mean, I've lived in Louisiana all my life, and to have hurricane force, to still have a Category 1 hurricane three hours north of the coast is just unheard of. Um, and so um, we, an example of, of what we do is, you know, our, co our combined cooperative disaster relief efforts. So we've been very, very engaged in that in 2020. And, and, and on top of COVID, we've been very engaged in uh, combining our uh, our efforts towards uh, helping churches um, and their communities 
recover uh, from, um, from, from hurricanes. So that's been rewarding. Um, you know, it's the kind of thing that you don't want to happen. It's the kind of thing that, and you're, you know, I'm sitting here in my office today thinking, boy, I hope 2021 is kind to us and that we don't have a hurricane and that we can yeah. get everybody vaccinated and be done with this. But at the same time, you realize that you had some opportunities because of those things that you would not have had without, without uh, um, you know, as I think about it, for, without the hurricanes. So those are some of the kind of things we're doing. Um, uh, you, you can go to, uh, your listeners can go to uh, our website, louisianabaptists.org. So it's uh, Louisiana Baptist, don't forget the S, Baptists, plural, .org. And you can see the, the different resources that we have to help churches uh, in our network. Um, uh, primarily, it, it, you know, we focus on these areas. We, we, focus, we focus on helping churches plant uh, church, other churches. And we've planted uh, almost 300 new uh, Southern Baptist congregations within the state of Louisiana since 2010. Um, and uh, we uh, want to continue want to continue to do that. Um, we, we particularly want to help churches plant non-Anglo churches. And so we've been really focused and real strategic um, planting Hispanic churches, planting African-American churches. And that's where most of our success in church planting has uh, occurred. We've got a church in New Orleans that is an Egyptian church uh, meeting, meeting in New Orleans. Um, and so, uh, again, that's another uh, way that the world is uh, coming to us. Yeah. We're also focused on collegiate ministries. We have a Baptist presence on all uh, of our uh, colleges and universities across the state of Louisiana. That's another big part of what, of what we are cooperatively engaged in. So it takes the burden off of a church in a particular city doing collegiate ministry, uh, especially on the campus. Um, you know, as listeners will know, it's more difficult to do that kind of thing on a college campus. And so, you know, for us to be able to kind of be recognized on campus as just another student organization is helpful. Uh, and, and so that's where we're probably more uh, easily able to do that than a church is able to, to do that. Um, and then um, uh, we uh, also provide our, our churches with resources uh, for um, evangelism and, and church growth. And a and, uh, big, big part of what we're realizing that we, we already realized this, but I think after COVID, it's going to even be more needed. And that is to help a church revitalize. Um, and uh, it's a little bit of a different world than church planting, but it has a lot of the same strategies that a church gets so low that it's almost as if they're replanting them, themselves. And uh, so we have folks that can help uh, churches to evaluate uh, that. And, uh, you know, and that's just trying to prevent churches from closing the door yeah. um, in, in particular uh communities. Um, so those are some things of, uh, that we do. Oh, I wanted to mention that uh, we also have a, a multimedia campaign um, uh, on uh, television channels, radio stations, uh, social media. Uh, uh, that's, that's called Here For You. We consider that to be planting seeds. Uh, so they're a little 30-second gospel, um, um, I wouldn't say presentations, but seed planting. Yeah. Um, and we partner with the Billy Graham organization for follow-up 
uh, if they if they call or, or go to the website, uh, then Billy Graham organization actually uh, is the one who fields those calls. And that's where a more extended gospel presentation happens. And then we get that information back. We can spread back to our churches in that particular uh, location. A lot of people think of it as our, our marketing campaign. We don't really want it to be a marketing campaign. We want it to be a gospel seeding campaign. Yeah, there you go. Um, and, and that's the way that we, uh, that we look at that. So there are, those are a couple of things that we are using the collective influence of, of the 1600 Baptist churches to do as, as one voice in Louisiana. Well, I want to say how much I appreciate your leadership because there's no doubt, and I'm going to say this, I'm going to have a little disclaimer after that, the church is definitely in transition uh, and how we adapt to that. However, it's not, we're not transitioning from the truth. We're not transitioning from the biblical truth in which we are founded upon the foundation of, but how we do church, whether it's through COVID, and maybe that's kind of ramped up our uh, ability to see this as an opportunity instead of a hurdle. Um, and I love the way you use that word opportunity, because I think the churches that are embracing this opportunity as an opportunity instead of, uh, you know, something we got to overcome. I think those churches are going to survive and, and, and end up thriving. And I think that's what um, I think the course you have uh, your convention on. So, um, so anyway, I just wanted to say thank you for your leadership in that, in that uh, category. And um you know, the churches need to be revitalized and they need to be planted. And I think the work that you guys are doing uh, are amazing. Have you got any of the last statement you would like to give to maybe one individual listener out there that's just wondering, what is the first or next step I can take to, to have a life that has purpose? Yeah, well, you, you know, I, I would simply say to that that one listener that um, you know it's an old an old, an old uh, quote from a from a from a poem: uh, "Only one life to live, only one life to live, twill soon be past. Only what's done for Christ will last." Nice. Only one life to live. I mean, it's boy, I tell you, uh, uh, life is short. Uh, life is short. COVID is. Been a been a reminder to us of of, of that um, in so in so many so many ways needed ways, um, and so you know now is the day now is the day uh, one uh, one less day to to be used by God if you don't if you don't start seeking Him today right mm -hmm. and uh, so I think that would be the word that I that I'd want, that I'd want to give very good very good because as a person who who came to faith and to a, to a real live faith uh, later on as I sometimes I lived in a little bit of regret that I seemed like I may have wasted or felt like I wasted some of those early years. But you know, people can't think that way because those early years formed you into who you are today. And God's timing is always going to be better than our timing. Uh, so for those people who maybe feel like they're, they've wasted some time, don't feel that way because uh, the Today is the day. It's it's don't live in in the past. Live for today and uh, uh, just enjoy life. So yeah, want to thank you for your time. And uh, uh, so really, that's all the time we have for today. And in the show notes, we're going to have a short link to a survey uh, that you can help to identify the skills and passion that God has placed into you and and where you can use those. And we're also going to have some stuff from um, from Steve. Some um, links to. Uh, the websites that he had uh, referenced and and really um when you're done with that survey sorry when you're done with that survey you're going to get a personalized mission action plan anyway 
Uh, so until next time, live for Jesus and speak life into others. Thank you. This has been a Mission Focused Life with Tim Olofsson. Find us online at missionfocusedlife.com as well as on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash missionfocusedlife. You can subscribe to the video version of this show on YouTube and the audio version on Spotify as well as anywhere you get your podcasts.